I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here as always. If you're listening to this as it's being released, I hope you're well and truly up together with all your preparations for Christmas and that if you're working in schools, I'm sure there'll be many nativities and Christmas concerts and all manner of things. Certainly I'm in the mix of all of that in the moment. A lot of fun and um, a great chance to really sort of share these special moments with people in the school and your education experience and of course your families as well. And today I'm delighted to be chatting to Kevin Whelan, who's an economist, author and the founder of Wealth Builders. Now, Kevin and Wealth Builders are on a mission to help parents leave a financial legacy for their children and to be great money role models. Wealth Builders for Families provides education, support and connections to help bring financial conversations into the home and give children that much needed financial confidence to hit the ground running when they start their careers. Now, this is an important conversation in so many ways and probably even more highlighted um, in the current economic climate. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Kevin Whelan from Wealth Builders. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's great to have a conversation about something which is integral to the, the future of our children and also families and how they can support them. So take us into sort of the world of finance and, and how you got involved with it, first of all. <laughs> well, that's going back a very long way. I suppose it all goes back to my own education, to be honest. I think I was inspired by a teacher who kind of fired me up and talked about education on fire, about the subject of economics. And I ended up doing economics right the way through school and then into university. And I've managed to maintain my keen interest in finance at large, but more specifically, rather than the big picture, which is the macro story, I'm very much more focused on how, what does it mean to people? How do they interact with finance? And perhaps more appropriately, why they don't. And there are so many challenges and problems that are almost unprecedented for our young people of today, whether they're children, teenagers or young adults. We're all in the end, as parents and as teachers and as educators, stakeholders on that journey. And um, I'm worried about that. So I'm lifting a lid on a major problem, both from a macro and a microeconomic viewpoint, that it's unsustainable, that the finances of our young people will be almost impossible for them to support themselves in a life which is now much longer living than any previous generations. And I'm sure we can dive into many of the problems, but I'm a passionate person by nature uh, and a consumer champion by, uh, by personal drive. And I'm always looking to get the best possible outcomes for people. And while I have a course, a commercial bent, I would do this for free because I love the subject of bringing financial literacy into the home and having parents 
secure their own oxygen mask first, I guess, before helping the younger ones. And so many people didn't get that education. Certainly Finance 101 wasn't taught in my school, it wasn't taught at my university. Obviously, I kept an interest in economics, so that helped. But I just think it's so little of it taught. And even if it is, it's not taught with any degree of, um, let's say, there's no ability to be able to predict the quality and the quantity of that. That's why I think it's the parents who've got the longest period of being an influencer. And when there are so many other influencers for bad, then I'd like to try and help parents be the best money role model they could be. Short question. Hope the answer wasn't too long. <laughs> no, no, absolutely fantastic. It's really important. And I, <laughs> I'm curious, do you think it's almost worse now? Because I guess a generation or two ago, if you could get yourself into a steady job and you had a job for life, you kind of assumed that you were going to be taken care of. You knew there was some financial stability. There was going to be a pension at the end of it. Um, you were going to be okay. You might only ever have what you have, um, but it was going to be okay. Whereas now, you know, multiple careers, multiple ways of earning income are kind of much more the norm. Unquestionably the case. I think the... If we go back several generations, probably this whole idea of doing your best in school, getting a job and then working right the way through to retirement and then literally retiring, getting a carriage clock for your services and then moving on into the fallow period of your life where you weren't expected to live very long actually in retirement. I think there was a whole series of generations that moved lockstep. Everybody moved in the same order so you were surrounded by people doing exactly the same thing as you i think now with the demise increasingly of final salary pensions the more stable pensions for big companies now only um, only really available in the public sector i might add very little available outside of that these days the state pension getting pushed back and back and back and we're seeing riots in the streets of paris just for a couple of years well we're already at 68 by the time you know younger children now probably won't see a state pension until they're in their late 70s so the uh, so that's the macro position won't work because there are too many old people now not enough young people to, to pay for it and uh, that the old foundations have crumbled somewhat then there are so many more transitions i think for our younger people to go through it's not just work and then retirement it's a whole series of different ways to get education. There's a whole series of different ways now to have gap years, which you know was relatively new concept not that many years ago. And and so many different ways people change jobs. And with the average age of a child born today, probably living to 100, you can't really expect that to continue. So there'll be so many different transitions. And what we're finding today is people can't afford to live a life to their late 70s, early 80s. How are our young people who start work later, often saddled with student debt, often taking mortgages for 35 and 40 years? So the forever home becomes literally the forever paid for home. There's so many challenges now that I think we need to highlight those challenges and, and give some skills to the parents to then pass the skills on. So 
are there sort of certain pillars, certain sort of areas that you think are, are kind of key for for everyone to sort to, to know? And then how have you sort of gone about sort of packaging those into a program in a way that people can easily get involved? Yeah, it's a good question. The the concept that I've created is really there are seven fundamental principles, and obviously I don't want to go into each one of those, but one of those we've just been talking about which is <clears throat> which is problems what are the problems our young people will face which will be unprecedented and we talked about that i think the other thing for me is participation it's getting children involved at any age all of the educational establishments talk about those formative years being critical for the formation of our habits in life none more so than than in finance too so children are sponges. So getting the lesson early and getting those lessons in early also dovetails with another principle, which I call planting seeds, which is teaching the principle to everybody that if anything that you're doing is worthwhile, both educationally, relationship-wise, from an investment perspective, it takes time to nurture and therefore it needs time for those results to manifest. And, and I think in a much faster paced, this demand for immediacy in today's culture, I think that needs to be fourth, the delayed gratification. But the benefit of compounding, the benefit of good decisions made by not just the children, but parents, grandparents, and others who have a, have a vested role in, in looking after the, the financial needs and the well-being of our children, then I think everybody can play a role in that. And we'll be touching on all the products that are available and a number of other things in this concept of the seven principles that we need to teach all of our children. I'll, I'll make one other final one. It doesn't take too long to work out. I'm an older man now. I'm a granddad um, for the second time. And what I've noticed there is the, the need to almost think about how can the work that I'm doing now as a pioneer for the wealth of my family, how can I make sure the baton passes that stewardship becomes part of the family's values. So it's not just the value of money that I'm seeking to leave behind, but it's to imbue a set of values in the next generation so they will have the wisdom to maintain that money and expand it for future generations. So I think this whole journey from starting off young right the way through to the participation and through to learning what to do and applying lessons to help perpetuate the family's legacy because there'll be a tsunami of money flowing from baby boomers like me to the next generation but if they're ill-equipped to handle it that money will disappear in in three generations as a whole language for this shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations clogs to clogs in three generations many cultures have that language and that's because there isn't enough solidity of education the foundation was never built and consequently inheritance is received become entitlements and get spent rather the rather than the opposite of that which is to actually see themselves as being a guardian for the next generation the generation after that yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think for me also it's about making sure that you understand everything behind behind the sort of the media hype as well isn't it i mean i'm sort of thinking about sort of student loans and things like that now you know the headlines are kind of you know tens of thousands of pounds of debt 
they don't talk as much about the investment. They don't talk about the nitty gritty in terms of how that gets paid, when it comes out of your salary, what percentage that happens to be, how that affects your income as a, and opposed to your tax and, and all that sort of stuff when it goes through. And the headline is a very sort of worrying and, and uh, you know, a disturbing thing for, for young people to hear. But the flip side of that and the positive thing, stuff of the of the of the education that you're getting and the investment in yourself and talking about it in that sort of language changes the whole perception and and i think like you say making sure that the right stories are coming through with a real kind of integrity and understanding of what you're trying to do just changes that perception and also like I say the, the the idea of what education actually is for children as they go forward well sure i think that belies the question though what where do we draw the line in education because student loans and that conversation takes place really at university education why is university education the default it doesn't have to be i think there's a there's also a, i think a within schools there's a lack of discussion about the principle of entrepreneurialism about the way that as a career path and a genuine way to add value and create wealth is for our younger people to be business owners. So part of this principles that we've been talking about is called pay and profit. How to understand jobs and what they mean and why that's sometimes more difficult to create wealth because you're trading time for money and how to create wealth through the ownership of assets and what do those assets look like of which one of those is a business. And as an entrepreneur myself with many businesses or with recurring income, that means then I don't need to go to work to be paid. The recurring income from the business will support me and support my family. So I think there's this creativity of our young people being entrepreneurs is just doesn't seem to be getting the same degree of um, consideration as perhaps some of our mainstream subjects. I'm sure there are pockets of outstanding people who do this. Uh, I'm trying desperately to meet them so that I can take some of the lessons that they're bringing into the work that we do. We're not teaching schools. We, we think schools have got a tough enough job as it is, but we think we can help parents. But cooperating as we can, I think as you said before we came on air, we're all stakeholders in our children's future, wherever we come from. So I don't want to alienate what I'm doing from the school system, but rather try and, and find some way to work together to enhance the outcome for our younger people. And I think the key word there was creativity. I mean, anybody that's seen um, Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk will sort of know that, <laughs> that, that the way the system's geared up and the way um, children are, are sort of have that creativity sucked out of them in, in some ways is is something which hasn't changed even since such an influential piece of um, of content was created. And, and I think that's why I love doing this podcast, for example, is the fact that we can have these conversations within that way. It might be like, say, the school system's not going to change in the next five years in order to give some of these skills that we need but around it and supporting and and sort of getting a a sort of a clarity between what we can do as individuals and businesses working with the education system and like say with all of those stakeholders really does make a a, a really big difference so in in terms of like say supporting parents um how does that look like is it a kind of a um an ongoing plan? Is it a one-off webinar? Is it a, a thing that they can sort of sign up to for long-term? How does it work? <clears throat> well, certainly it's not one-off. And the reason for that is because if we're looking to influence our children, we've got 
I've got three grown-up kids and now I've got grandchildren. So you're an influencer for a very, very, very long time. So I've tried to structure something which is age-appropriate. It's It's got a context to it that's obviously relevant and uh, poignant to today's economic circumstances, but based on principles first and allows the parents to absorb a combination of education themselves, feeling there's an online group of support, there's a network of parents, hopefully thousands and thousands of parents, all in many cases struggling to find what's the right way to do something. And, and instead of trying to invent the solution, they can be inspired or informed by another parent who's done something similar in a similar situation. Um, in addition to that, we're, we've got our own coaching community and uh, this, this idea of participation through games and through events to show our younger people how the world of money actually works, uh, whether it's young people touching money for the first time. Because think about this in a world where increasingly the only visibility children have of money is the tap of a phone or the tap of a card. So they think money's on tap and it isn't. There's There's been a, a breakdown of the connection between value add and value gained. And I think we need to to bridge that gap. And um, this whole idea then of having a long-term community that can break down and highlight ages for seven-year-olds, well, content appropriate for seven-year-olds, 17, 27. It doesn't really matter, uh, but I think we're capable of doing that. And rather than creating all of the content, hitherto within Wealth Builders, we've been teaching individuals how to become financially independent. And we've been doing that for many years now. When I looked at the family, the program called Wealth Builders for Families as a program, I realized I couldn't possibly know enough to create all the content. So I'm curating content now. So children's authors writing books about what are the best ways to, to teach children some principles, but based in a childlike con context. Um, additionally, some of our wealthier uh, students showing their children around properties that they bought and acquired to show them exactly what's happening inside the property so they get the idea of what needs to be done and how things work. So I think the more and more we can find a growing cohort of parents with children of all ages, the more likely it is that we can support parents for the long journey rather than a term at a time or a, a single webinar. And I think part of the, the, the success of this, like I say, is going to be that kind of being able to share some of this across other families, like you say, or people being in the playground, for example, and being able to say that we've been involved in this, we can see how the benefit is, we can see our children, the conversations are changing and that kind of thing. Because I guess it would be very easy to end up with a cohort of people who are already thinking in the way that you're describing and wanting to get more value more understanding and just grow from that point of view whereas maybe the families and the children who don't get that exposure would just say it's not something on my radar I don't have the money to start with I you know and just sort of shut the door to begin with so I guess that could be a challenge well financial lessons and financial literacy weaves itself through the very fabric of our life irrespective of our social background irrespective of where our income comes from and in many respects we have also have to recognize that some parents will be challenged by 
very, very specific needs of their children, whether it's an educational need, whether it's a physical need, where perhaps those children won't be able to support themselves in the long term. So absolutely part of our philosophy will be to share lessons with those who perhaps couldn't afford to pay for those lessons. And I'm looking for a way to be able to do that by gifting uh, that participation in the program for free, but also to to try and link to charities who support those organisations where we know there's a a growing need for children who then become adults who won't ever be able to support themselves financially. And, and how can we have that? And, and finally, I think we'll end up sponsoring young entrepreneurs um, and promoting young entrepreneurialism and, and uh, in, the, in the way that we're well equipped to help business owners because we teach business owners how to create wealth, then it would be extraordinarily pleasurable to see young entrepreneurs making a difference in the world uh, not just from their own creativity point of view, but but financially too. So we definitely want to be sponsoring that, promoting that, and, and linking together with other stakeholders, as, as you mentioned. Uh, well, many we've yet to discover who they are. So one of the, the big thank yous from me to you of giving this an airing is that there'll be hopefully someone listens. I can help that gentleman find the right connection, the right charity, the right methodology of sharing what we're trying to do this is not just about can we make money that's not about that yes there's a commercial aspect to it but part of that commerciality is to give back and i think for me the the change the change in language is really interesting because it used to be I was the first person who attended college or the first person in my family who went to university. And to have that kind of change of perception of I was the first person that I can remember within my family who was able to have a successful business that had that entrepreneurship and idea of how I could make my money and control my money and actually be able to then give that back in a way that was really sustainable, I think is a it'd be a really fascinating thing for people to to hear and to understand and to actually see that in real life. And and one of the things we we hear a lot here on the show is the fact that when these things start with a um a passion, and that, I guess that's where the creativity part comes in as well. You know, I want to do something which is going to help my community or my situation or somebody that I know and that sort of business that idea that creativity coming together of that joint passion I guess then fuels all the things that you've been talking about well I, I think that's that's kind of you to say so but I'd like to pick up on another point I mean there's some outstanding work I'm seeing by some of the teachers that are meeting in the area of sustainability but it's more about sustainability of the planet sustainability of United Nations you know, core values and, and and concerns, but equally the sustainability of a family's intergenerational money, I think, is quite critical. Because the you're quite right. I was the first person in my family to go to university, the first person in my family to build a sustainable and successful business. And and I want to pass on not just the value that has been accrued, but also the lessons that have been learned along the way. And and part of that means to involve them um, as much as possible. And I've obviously not done everything quite right. This is not a parenting skill here that uh, is being taught. And I'm not claiming to be a parenting guru. I'm just claiming to know enough about the financial aspect to it to share some lessons and curate some others that hopefully will involve a better outcome and a more successful financial one for as many families as possible. 
And I love the idea, and especially as education, it does start to change. I know some people feel that we're, we're still in the same place as we were you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I think because there's this idea that we as a family have a little bit more control of the influence which is going on, that kind of you can just go to school and come out at 18 and you have all the skills that you need are okay because we don't do that in the rest of the life you know if you want to play a particular sport the chances are you might have started it in school or you might have had an influence somewhere but you then maybe join a club and then you may get better at that and go into a, I don't know the county or, or, a, or a national opportunity to do that and I think that's the same with certain subjects now in certain areas of life as well so I think that perception that actually you can go out and find what you need and actually sort of lean into things which you think are important and be able to access it in a in a way is it's an exciting prospect and a way that like say you feel like you can can take control whether you think you're getting that support like say directly within school or not I think the it's a good point you make certainly about the the way that other lessons are continued beyond school but financial lessons I've never seen it I mean I can re recall my experience at university and I'm sure it's a, an experience that other people can recount and reflect on and say yeah I had that same experience didn't really know very much about money went to university was given the opportunity to have some money from a bank given some up which looked like free money uh, fortunately, I didn't take advantage of that and, and work my way through university, but others did, and they fell into the trap because they didn't have the foundational lessons. They just saw money and saw the ability to be able to get access to it rather quickly. And I think some of the influencing issues now have changed. So the banks and the financial institutions have long seen our young people as a target audience when they reach a certain age to get them into the habit of borrowing money. That's certainly the case. And that's why I mentioned earlier on, mortgages of 35, 40 years now, uh, commonplace. But in addition to this, we're seeing social media encouraging children to compare themselves against other children and not see the work that's needed to be done and not see the, the family preparation that's led to the success of the family. Um, we're seeing greater evidence of scamming in our young people, greater evidence of phishing going on. So our young people who are influenced more by screens and increasingly as our older people get more distance from the technology, our ability to control and influence that is becoming more of a challenge, I think. Yeah, I can really see that. And I think you're right. In, the, in a day and age where it's all about the, the snapshot and the here and now and look how my life looks and that, like saying that there's nothing about the, the setup of that and I, so, I often think that about all the sort of the, the shorts and various sort of social media posts it's like that didn't just happen there's a whole crew there of people making sure that to make sure that it looks like this and comes across like this that it's it's not just someone in their room doing it necessarily I know that that can be the case as well but a lot of what you see has a lot of investment in both in times and, um, and, and equipment as well and, and also understanding and I think maybe people sharing more of that story across the board in different areas of life would be would be really helpful. Mm. Um, do you have a teacher that you remember or an education experience you remember? And you sort of already sort of spoken that it's really the lack of that which has kind of sort of got you to the, to the stage uh, of what you're doing. But anything that sort of maybe sort of ties in? Well, I definitely remember my economics teacher, I even remember his name now, even though it was what? 40 years ago, maybe longer than that actually. Um, his name was Philip Selby and I remember he was an economics teacher and he was quite an inspiring one. I remember he brought a book and he'd written it. 
I thought, wow, I've got a teacher who's written a book. And so it was, it was sort of almost planted a seed in me that I need to be an author. So I've written three books now, and I'm very pleased with the outcome of those and the success of the books. But the, the, the whole idea of someone teaching me something that definitely sowed a seed in me was very inspiring. And I'm hoping that somewhere down the line that we can be a seed or an inspiration for someone to plant one in their younger children. And just take um, take me into that sort of idea of being an author in, in terms of how did that kind of work from a from a sort of a growth point of view in terms of what you were doing sort of the day to day of it and then because I guess that's it's a step into into a world that wasn't necessarily something that you sort of thought you might end up doing. I think for me, the the three books have all stemmed from a passion. So the first one, which was called Save a Fortune, is how to eliminate your mortgage loans and credit cards fast. And I think it's as relevant today as it was when I wrote it in 2004. And I was just horrified by the tactics of financial institutions, payday loans. Now you look on TV, you see interest rates of 99%, 100%. And it's almost batting an eyelid now. Whereas historically, the institutions were keeping interest rates in the in the teens, which were horrific, and now they're in the in the hundreds. It's just it's too scary. So that book was designed to help people recognise the true cost of debt and how they could make decisions in their life to eliminate that. And while it's true to say student debt is not the same, it isn't an interest rate that's applied to a debt. Nonetheless, there's still pros and cons of whether you should pay off a student loan or not pay off a student loan and each situation is going to be unique of course we cover that in the principle of the products when uh, when people ask us that question we'll show them the pros and cons of that but yeah the 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 idea of writing that book came from that the second book seven pillars of wealth is about how to build wealth by the ownership of assets and intuitively my father died young in his 40s was a business owner but he died and, and unfortunately that early death, he was ill-prepared for in all sorts of ways, but certainly financially, didn't leave a will, didn't leave a power of attorney, didn't leave a business plan for the replacement of that business. And consequently, all of the, the good things we had in our lives at that time, we lost them all. Uh, and as a result, that was a big, powerful catalyst for, for me to want to show other people that you can own things that put money in your bank account. You don't just have to do things to put money in your bank account. So, and then the final book, which is called The Wealth Coach, was really written to help business owners like my father, who often don't get around to doing things as they spin plates and juggle balls as two circus acts continually every day in their life. But they fail to do things they should do well, uh, which is take care of their family, make sure they've made a will, make sure they've prepared for the good times. But if something goes wrong, and business owners just rarely do that. And this is my final swan song passion project, which is to bring financial literacy into the home. So there will be a book that will follow that, but it will take a few months and a few experiences to be able to capture both the imagination of the parents, who we hope will participate in their thousands, but in addition to get all the lessons that we can then curate into a into a book of good practice 
Yeah, and I love that kind of where the journey of it and the, and the sharing of all of that because, like I say, every situation is different, and the more people can see it in the in in their life because they it's mirrored in whichever way, like you say, from pam- family to family, and then I guess the the knock on effect of that is that it's sort of family to to child is um is, is mm-hmm. really it's a really exciting prospect. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or indeed, is there a piece of advice you give your your younger self now looking back? <laughs> and I guess that's a pretty much built into what it is that you're doing because you're sharing all of that anyway but if you've got any sort of one particular thing well i think if i was looking back now and it's definitely a lesson that i encourage people to 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 learn as quickly as possible which is don't be a diyer i think for the longest period of time it it took me from about 30 to 45 my father died when he was 46 so i wanted to be financially completely independent by 45 and and I did that but it took me too long and the reason it took me too long is because I tried to learn all the lessons myself it was a journey of trial and error rather than collaboration and uh, and and open-mindedness I think I was probably a bit too close-minded now I encourage people to be more open-minded more humble I think I was I displayed less humility then than I do now um that would be my biggest lesson be open-minded to be helped do not assume you have to do this on your own as a parent as a business owner as an individual as a job holder or a business owner it's really critical to try and get help from people who've been there and experienced the same challenges so if nothing else it just shares the experience and gives you some other people to talk to just as many others do in life I think entrepreneurs tend not to do that. They tend to stay in their own little bubble. Yeah, I love that. Such such great advice. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And this could be anything from a video, a song, podcast, book, film, but something which has had an impact or something that's sort of memorable for you. I I think certainly the Cashflow Quadrant book by Robert Kiyosaki was a really big influence. It was a real help. Um, and the seven habits of highly effective people, which is Dr. Stephen Covey, who is now no longer with us, of course. They were they they were both seminal books for me that influenced my thinking. And um, but I'd say don't don't learn all the lessons with a book. You know, I think that's what I did, and that they were influential for sure. But I think join communities, be part of a community, find like-minded people who are on a shared journey. And, and pick it up from there that's what i would do now yeah i love that and that's exactly um what you're what, what you're doing with your program and everything and i think uh, it's very easy like i say to, to get to the end of a book and feel like you've mastered everything because you feel like you've been given all the answers but you actually haven't done any of the steps yourself or shared well, exactly. it or been part of anything <laughs> and i think many okay. people will, will identify <laughs> be able to identify with that um and 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 just finally the acronym FIRE is obviously important to us here at Education on Fire. And by that, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What's the thing that strikes you most when you hear that? Well, my favorite word out of all of those is, is empowerment. Because the, the age-old phrase of give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and he can feed himself forever. And this is the exact metaphor that I think is appropriate in the world of finance. It's financial empowerment. So you can combine all of your lessons there and apply them to the same principle, but not just in education, but in finance too. 
So I definitely resonate with your message and thank you for the kind invitation to speak about mine and uh, hopefully it will resonate with some people out there and they'll check us out to see whether or not it's a community they feel they could be welcomed in and also be able to contribute to. Well, uh, Kevin, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat to us about it. I think it's something as a, as a parent, um, as an educator, as someone who feels that these are such important lessons, which, like you say, whether we want the education to be system system to be different so that it was part of the curriculum, or whether that could happen today or tomorrow, we know that's probably not going to be the case. And I love it when there are people doing what they can do based on their experience and and their skill set to help in whichever way they can. Um, so yeah, so th- thank you for doing it first of all, and I hope it's a great success. And, and make sure tell everybody where they can they can sign up, get on the wait list, or or, or get involved. Wealthbuilders.co.uk. Uh, and then all the information is there. So worldbuilders.co.uk. Fantastic. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Kevin, thank you so much for your wisdom and sharing such a, a great message. And yeah, best of luck with the project. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.